0: We continue with the Ten Commandments. Um, today we will consider commandment number nine. Go with me to Exodus. Exodus chapter 20. I'm going to read the Decalogue. And then we will, we will consider um, commandment number nine. Hear the ten words, and God spoke all these words, saying, yeah. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of any anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them for The ninth commandment is found there in verse 16 you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor go with me to uh, chapter 23 two chapters forward and verse 1 exodus 23 verse 1 you shall not spread a false report you shall not join hands with a wicked man to be a malicious witness. So you have the same, you have the same there. Um, <clears throat> consider with me the Proverbs. So just before we jump into the gist of, of this commandment, I'd like to show you that the scriptures are full of this command not to not to bear false witness not, not to be liars Proverbs chapter 6 you have those six things that the Lord hates and in there twice is mentioned the, the liars those who bear false witness Proverbs chapter 6 verse 16 there are six things that the Lord hates seven that are an abomination to him and what are those? haughty eyes, a lying tongue. So you have it there in verse 17. And hands that shed shed innocent blood, a heart that deceives wicked plans, feet that make haste to run to evil. Verse 19. A false witness who breathes out lies and one who sows discord among brothers. Chapter 12, Proverbs. Verse 22 Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord You see that? Chapter 19 Proverbs Verse 5 A false witness will not go unpunished And he who breathes out lies Will not escape The same chapter verse 9 a false witness will not go unpunished, and he who breathes out lies will perish. Chapter nineteen. We have chapter nineteen, verse um, yeah, so verse five and verse verse five and verse nine. Then we have chapter twenty-one. Two chapters ahead. Verse twenty-eight. A false witness will perish, but the word of a man who hears will endure. Then we have chapter 24. A few chapters ahead. Verse 28. Be not a witness against your neighbor without cause, and do not deceive with your lips. So you see, you have have it there in the Proverbs. Now we have the Ten Commandments in Deuteronomy. Go with me to Deuteronomy chapter 5. The commandments are repeated there. And you have verse 20. And you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor same book chapter 19. deuteronomy chapter 19. look at verse 16 down to verse 20. deuteronomy 19 16 to 20 if a malicious witness arises to accuse a person of wrongdoing then both parties To the dispute shall appear before the lord before the priests and the judges who are in office in those days the judges shall inquire diligently and if the witness is a false witness and has accused his brother falsely then you shall do to him as he has meant to do to his brother so you shall purge the evil from your midst and the rest shall hear and fear and shall never again commit any such evil among you so so that's just a snippet of um, the command not to bear false witness at least in the old testament now baptist catechism the question is asked what is required in the ninth commandment and the answer is given the ninth commandment requireth The maintaining and promoting of truth between man and man and of our neighbor's good name especially in witness bearing next question after that is asked what is forbidden in the ninth commandment and the answer is given the ninth commandment forbideth whatsoever is prejudicial to the truth or injurious to our own or our neighbor's good name So, uh, this commandment binds the tongue to its good behavior. This commandment here, number nine, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor, seeks to tame the tongue. Uh, What James talks about there in James chapter three. We will look at that later on. Thomas Watson says here, quote, God has set two natural fences to keep the tongue the teeth and lips and this commandment is a third fence set about it that it should not break forth into evil so that there are three fences uh, Thomas Watson says that keep the tongue or uh, uh, prevent the tongue from getting out the teeth the lips and then this commandment number nine prevents the tongue from going on and on and on bearing false witness against our neighbor. I'd like for us to observe two things from this commandment. Number one, what is forbidden in this commandment? And number two, what is implied in this commandment? So just two things. Uh, The thing that is forbidden in commandment number nine and the thing that is implied. Number one, what is forbidden in this commandment? What do you think is forbidden in this commandment? The only two things that are forbidden here.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: that forbidding so be,
2: mm-hmm. lying.
0: Lying. lying so it forbids lying basically you are forbidden from lying this commandment forbids lying all sorts of lying there are three there are three ways that we can lie we can speak that which is false We can bear witness to that which is false and we can swear we can make an oath to that which is false it is condemned in this commandment speaking lies speaking that which is false as we read earlier in Proverbs chapter 12 verse 22 lying lips are an abomination before the Lord to the Lord to lies to speak that which one knows one knows to be an untruth you know that something is not true but you go ahead to speak it that is lying there is nothing more contrary to God than lying the Holy Spirit is called the spirit of truth the spirit of truth then First John chapter 4 verse 6 and so lying is an evil in and of itself but then lying carries with it more evils. When we lie we do not only go on to uh, give more lies but there are more evils that, that uh, are carried along with lying. And so the scriptures tell us that lying is of who? Lying is of the devil. John chapter 8 Look with me at John, John chapter 8. Jesus here tells the Pharisees that they are of their father the devil. Verse 44. Let's, let's begin from verse 39. They answered him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me a man who has told you the truth that I had from God. We're going to see this whole matter of truth in the morning sermon. Paul tells us that the truth is in Jesus. He's, He's the way, the truth, and the life. So he says, this is not what Abraham did. Verse 41, you are doing the works your father did. So Jesus begins now. They said to him, We were not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. Jesus said to them, If if God were your father, you would love me. For I came from God, and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. And then in verse 44 he tells them, you are of your father the devil and your will is to do your father's desires and then he says he was a murderer from the beginning he he commits that sixth uh commandment he breaks it and then and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. So the, the contrast of, of, of lying is uh, truthing or speaking the truth. Um, as, as, as our pastor told us uh, when we were going through that verse of speaking the truth in love, uh, living in truth, that's not how the devil is. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because, because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks of his own character for he is a liar and the father of lies. And so we see there that lying, lying, lying is of the devil. The devil is behind this scene of lying. Where there is a lie in the tongue, the devil is in the heart. Go to Acts. Acts chapter 5. In Acts chapter 5 we read, But a man named Ananias, with his wife Sapphira, sold a piece of property. And with his wife's knowledge, he kept back for himself some of the proceeds, and brought only a part of it, and laid it at the apostles' feet. Verse 3. But... Anan, uh, uh, but peter said to ananias why has satan filled your heart to lie to the holy spirit and to keep back for yourself part of the process of the land and so the lying that ananias and sapphira uh, were were doing or they were lying was of the devil satan filled their hearts So behind every lying tongue the devil is in the heart. This sin highly provokes God. And therefore what does God do to Ananias and Sapphira? He takes takes their lives. He kills them. They are struck dead for for telling telling the lie. Look at verse 5. When Ananias heard this so in verse 4 we read, while it remained unsold, this is Peter speaking to Ananias, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? Why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to man, but to God. And then in verse 5 we read, when Ananias heard these words, he fell down and breathed his last. And great fear came upon all who heard it. They went and buried him. Same thing happens to his wife. She she comes and lies and provokes God, God kills her. And so this is this is a very serious thing. We are not to be liars. It is forbidden in this commandment, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor that we should not lie. It's forbidden for us to lie. Now consider that the the fires of hell are Particularly there for liars. The furnace of hell is heated for liars. Go to Revelation chapter 21, last book in the Bible, verse 8. Revelation 21, verse 8. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Go to the next chapter, chapter 22, and verse 15. Outside are the dogs and sorcerers and the sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. Everyone who practices lying. So we we are not to lie. So when when, when we are told that this, this, this commandment forbids lying, it forbids speaking that which is not true. So we are to hate this sin. Lying is a sin which is unfit for men in the civil society. You know, Consider that if everyone was a liar in the society, what kind of society would we have? What sort of business would people engage in? People would not be able to engage in any business you would not be able to converse with anyone you would not be able to bargain anything you would not be able to trust anyone because everyone would be a liar and so lying is is evil in the sight of God lying is evil for our own interactions our own relationships we should not lie go to Ephesians chapter 4. This is this is the passage that we will consider next Sunday. Lord willing. <coughs> Ephesians chapter 4 verse 25. Therefore, having put away falsehood, the Apostle Paul says, let each one of you speak the truth. Speak the truth. Look at verse, verse 15 of chapter 4. Rather, speaking the truth in love. We are to speak the truth as Christians. Because we have been because we have been saved by Christ, who is the truth, we should speak the truth. There should be no falsehood in in, 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 in our in in our tongues. Look at verse nineteen. Sorry, verse twenty-nine. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up. We are not to lie. When you are told not to lie, it's not only that we should not speak that we should not speak falsehood. It's also that witnessing to that which is false is condemned. So speaking that which is false is condemned in lying. And witnessing to that which is false is condemned. We are told you shall not bear false witness. So we we can bear false witness uh, against someone else. We can give testimony for a person who is... A criminal or guilty and defend them. And so we are not to acquit, we are not to exonerate those that are guilty by bearing false witness. Or condemn those that are innocent by bearing false witness. That's, that's what they did to the Lord Jesus Christ. They, they looked for false witnesses. To come and accuse him so that he may be he may be found guilty even though he was not and so we we are not to we're not to bear false witness against others by uh, by speaking lies by defending those that are guilty or by accusing those that are innocent so we, we read there that you shall not bear false false witness. So, so we are not to stand uh, in the witness stand and accuse those that are not to be accused. And so you're able to understand me. Eh? Bearing false witness is twofold. It's that we exonerate, we acquit the one that is guilty And we condemn the one that is innocent when we bear false witness. Again, we read in the the, the Proverbs, chapter 19, verse 5, that a false witness will not go unpunished, and he who breathes out lies will not escape. Chapter 19, verse, verse 9, a false witness will not go unpunished, and he who breathes out lies will perish. And then we read there in Deuteronomy that the judge must investigate. They must establish that the witness that is being born is a truthful witness. And if it, if it is not truthful, that person that is bearing false witness should be, done, should be done unto that which they wanted the other person to be done unto. If they wanted the other person to be murdered, they had to be murdered themselves. It's, it's that serious. So God says, you shall not bear false witness. And so what is forbidden in this commandment is lying. Lying, speaking those things that are not true. Uh, Lying in witnessing to that which is not true. And lastly, lying, swearing to that which is false. Taking a false oath. So we are not to um to sin by making an oath that is that that, that is that is false. Um you realize that people when you bear false witness, you are as it were taking an oath, right? When you stand before the witness stand, what happens? The Bible is given, Sindio. And then you place your hand there, and then you swear, you take an oath. You say that you're going to say the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. This ninth commandment forbids swearing falsely, it forbids speaking lies, it forbids uh, bearing false witness, and it also forbids swearing to that which is false so that when you, you when you when you swear falsely you inevitably are going to make a false witness you're going to be a false witness and therefore you're going to you're going to be party to the taking of someone else's life or accusing the one that is innocent any any question or comment so that's that's the first thing that this Uh, commandment forbids it forbids lying any question or comment feel free to ask a question or make a comment as we continue the second thing that this commandment forbids is slandering slandering now when when we slander we break the ninth commandment see the way you are afraid of the snake's lips see how the snake uh, takes out its lips and seems so dangerous when you look at it and it it does that you are afraid that's how you should fear the slanderer. The way that tongue uh, comes out from the snake is the same way that the tongue of the slanderer comes out of them. Thomas Watson says that like the the poison in the snake's in, in the in the scorpion's tail is the poison in the slanderer's tongue. This commandment forbids slandering. Slandering is to report things of others unjustly. Gossiping, as it were. Does not matter how much holy you may seem or you may be. The lips of the slanderer can get anyone i mean christ the most innocent upon the earth was reported to be what what did they accuse him of or slander him of they said he was a he was a glutton and a drunkard there in matthew chapter 11 verse 19 slandering is like hacking someone without touching them. You speak, you speak against someone else unjustly things that are not true of them. And so the tongue inflicts such great wounds that no physician can heal. Go with me to James chapter 3. And James says that the tongue is dangerous. It's a dangerous thing. So, so we are not to report. You see, when you bear false witness, you report things against others unjustly. Things that they have, they have not done. When you go to someone else and speak to them about someone else, things that they have not done, you slander. And you break the ninth commandment. James chapter 3, we read, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. So you see, the the teacher, the pastor teacher, um, uses his tongue, and therefore he not many should become teachers because of the activity of teaching there's a possibility of lying and becoming a becoming a what a false teacher bearing false witness so James says if we put bits into the mounts of horses so that they obey us, we guide the whole bodies we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large, they are driven by so long winds. uh, They, Sorry, but look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder, wherever the wheel of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member. So, so So he goes ahead to speak about the tongue, which is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire. A world of unrighteousness the tongue is set among our members staining the whole body setting on fire the entire course of life and set on fire by hell you hear that language that we've read there in revelation liars have their part in the lake of fire for every kind of beast and bird of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no human, can be, no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless, restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. You see that curse people there? It's slandering against others. It's not only that we curse others by, by speaking rudely and angrily at them, it's also that we speak falsely against them without their hearing. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. And you realise how it's possible for for people to bless others with their tongue and then when they when they go to secret they speak falsely against them. They bear false witness against them. They gossip they slander them. Because surely slandering is done in secret. So from the same mouth, come blessing and cursing. Then James says that this 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 ought not to be so. We are not to be like this. Does a spring um, pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can salt neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. And what James is saying there is we should be careful of the way we speak. A direct implication from understanding the ninth commandment. That we are not to bear false witness. We are not to slander others. We are not to report things of others unjustly. We are not to speak of others in a way that is not true untruthful. It is a sin against this commandment to raise a false report of another. And it is also a sin to receive a report a false report before we have examined it so it's not only a sin to to slander others by you know, actually speaking but it's also a sin to, to be the receiver of the slander to be part and parcel of that communication which would which be called slandering we should not do that, we are not to bear False witness. Let's go to Psalm, Psalm 15. The Psalms, <clears throat> Psalm chapter 15, we read verse, verse 1 to verse, verse 3. Psalm of David. O oh Lord, who shall sojourn in your tent? Who shall dwell in your holy hill? He who walks blamelessly and does what is right and speaks truth in his heart, who does not slander with his tongue. And you see you see the contrast? Uh, the, the, the opposite of slandering is speaking the truth. And so the ninth commandment is forbidding slandering while encouraging truthfulness, truthful speaking. And so we, we are told there, who does not slander with his tongue or does no evil to his neighbor nor takes up a reproach against his friend. See that language? They do not slander. They, they're, not, they're not doing evil to, to their neighbor. They're not taking up a reproach against his friend. if if anyone accuses someone else to you or reports anything about someone else to you it must be examined or else it is tantamount to being slander so when we take a reproach against, against anyone we should be sure that that's the truth for us not to be breaking the ninth commandment because the ninth commandment forbids slandering and receiving slander uh, not examining the reproach that is brought to us against against others so we must not only raise it's not only that we must not raise a false report it's also that we must refuse to hear false report for us not to be slanderers is there any question or comment
3: Something false about someone else. Someone. Um, but, but the question is, is raised also on the, when you are speaking something that is true to someone else, but it's also not in your position to say that if you get i from saying. So that at times, and, and that's where my question is. We may be saying something that is true for someone else, but maybe that person really would want their truth told to someone else. If you get what I'm saying. And and hence, at times, I I feel like if I am telling uh, someone about something that has happened that is true for another person, there's a sense in which. that, if you get get what I'm trying to say, um, or you hear someone is saying about something that happened to another person, um, especially in this circle, and you feel, (laughs) or you hear them say that, let me not talk about it because I'll be slandered. So I wanted a slight clarification on that, because at times I usually struggle with that also in the heart. When I feel like I'm saying the truth, but at the same time, I am not sure I should be saying it. So at times, it feels like I'm slandering. I don't
1: know if it's,
0: it's clear. I don't think that we necessarily slander when we say something that is truthful about others, to others, even though we don't have permission. Um, whatever the activity is happening there, it, it should not necessarily be called slander. It may be slander because of other things. Uh, it may be slander because when you tell them, when you tell, when you say the truth to someone, then that person would start, like you start having a conversation about it, which eventually has lies in them but you telling someone something that is true about someone else, and you know that it is true, is not necessarily, at the core, slandering. But then it becomes slandering because when the activity continues, it's not only that you will be telling them, they'll also be participating. And while you communicate the truth, remember what Pasi told us, you should communicate the whole truth. And so sometimes you communicate the truth. It's not the whole truth. becomes slander. Because it is lying. You start lying when you're not perfectly representing the other person. And so we should be very careful with that. Mostly, so, so you realize I've said it's not necessarily at the core slander. But more often than not, it is slander. Because It's not always truthful representation. There are lies in the way we represent it. Uh, More often than not, we do not say the whole truth, which is tantamount to lying. And so the impression the other person gets, even though we are communicating the truth, is not completely true. And so then it becomes slandery. I think think that's a very
1: good question. Um, we should be able to ask ourselves if that person was present here, would I still say the same thing? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If we really are um, really, uh, uh, pure with our intentions mm-hmm. when you're talking about something. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I know there's a place to, to talk about others and for good reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, for instance, if, 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 if there's a someone who has committed a terrible sin, and you want to warn others about them, it's it's very clear to talk about that, even about that brother or sister, to warn others. So there's there's that place of uh, talking truth about other people, uh, but uh, I agree that it is not necessarily slander; it can be gossip, uh, because if you're only talking about them for no purpose, or for no good reason, uh, it's just idle talk. Uh, then it is not profitable, isn't it? But if I'm talking about uh, uh, if I'm talking about someone for the purpose of uh, for the purpose of for instance uh, uh, yes, I tell you please talk to your roommate because he's struggling with this and this problem he yes, I've revealed something about that person but for the purpose of this brother to go and help them yeah, so then there should be a pure intention. If I'm talking
0: about something, yeah, yeah, true, true. So you can be talking without any purpose, um, and that—that that is, it's not to idle talk, corrupting talk, uh, that which is not helpful. Yeah, yeah. Something else that I said that I forget. Yeah. But that's how we should look at it. Yes.
2: Um, and and me, um, so yes, the point is to what end? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, why, why do I feel the need to, to tell someone even true feelings about? Um, someone else um, which we liken it to how uh, we resolve conflictivity even in, in the context of a church when someone has done wrong uh, against you either directly or indirectly uh, the scripture guidance is to approach that person um, and so even maybe before you talk to someone else let that be after you have approached uh, this person, There's, there was a time we found a really good definition of gossip or slandering, or was um, giving information that might even um, make you think bad things of, of About this. this person being given. Yeah. Yeah. And even if it's tr- even if what you're sharing is truthful things, um, I mean we are human beings and um, we have the tendency to forget the grace part of it, um, um, we will lean more towards, okay, uh, building guards and mm-hmm. being biased, yeah, so, to what end, um, uh, we do it in purity, and is it something that we uh, we would be comfortable talking with, uh, with that person? he uh, she is present? Mm. Yeah, true.
0: I mean, let me move to the next, next point. What is implied in this commandment? So the first thing that we have considered is what is forbidden in the commandment. The commandment forbids slander. It forbids lying. Um, we lie by um, speaking that which is false, bearing witness to that which is false, and taking an oath, swearing to that which is false. Then, secondly, what is implied in this commandment? In this point, I just like to show you that we are to stand up for others and vindicate them when they are accused falsely, when they are when they are injured by lying lips. It's not only that we should uh, we should not slander false we should not slander or falsely accuse others. It's also that we should stand up in defence of those who are being accused falsely. When we know them to be spoken ill of, when we know them to be uh, to be falsely accused, to be traduced, to, to, to be spoken ill about, we should stand for them in defense, to vindicate them. You see, you may wrong another by silence as well as by slander, right? So... so You become part and parcel of slander when you are silent. When you know someone to be wrongfully accused and you do not speak on their behalf, you wrong them. You become part and parcel of the problem. You break the ninth commandment. You are bearing false witness against your neighbor. So let's consider two passages here. Acts chapter 2 so you have uh, Jesus Christ promises the coming of the Holy Spirit the disciples are gathered all in one place and um, they are they are ready to receive the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit comes upon them and then what happens when the Spirit of God comes upon them they start speaking in other languages and then people from different places start hearing them speaking in their own languages. And then look at, look at verse, verse 11. Both Jews and proselyte, proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others, mocking, said, They are filled with new wine. And then verse 14 says, But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk. You see that? That is vindicating others who are being accused falsely. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose since it is only the third hour of the day. And then he goes ahead to, to give them the, the sermon, that great sermon that saves 3,000 people. So, so we should vindicate others. We should not let uh, false accusation or false witness go by if we can help it. If we can speak the truth, we should speak the truth. That's the implication in this commandment. Um, First Samuel Chapter 19. So we have um, the friendship of David and Jonathan being described here. And uh, Saul is trying to kill David. And in chapter 19, we read, And Saul spoke to Jonathan. This is verse 1 his son, and to all his servants, that they should kill David. But Jonathan, Saul's son, delighted much in David. And Jonathan told David, Saul, my father seeks to kill you. Therefore be on your guard in the morning. Stay in a secret place and hide yourself. And I will go out and stand beside my father in the field where you are, and I will speak to my father about you. see that? He's going to speak to his father about David. And if I learn anything, I will tell you. Verse 4. And Jonathan spoke well of David to Saul, his father, and said to him, Let not the king sin against his servant David, because he has not sinned against you, and because his deeds have brought good to you. For he took his life in his hand, and he struck down the Philistine and the Lord worked a great salvation for Israel. You saw it and rejoiced. Why then will you sin against innocent blood by killing David without cause? See that language there? So, so it's, as, it's as though Jonathan is vindicating David. For no reason or without cause, Saul wants to, wants to kill David. And this is how we ought to stand up for that which is truthful. Um, so, so Jonathan says, says that he will speak to his father about David. And when he learns anything that his father wants to do to him, he will, he will tell him. We should strive to vindicate those who are um, those who are Falsely accused, isn't that what Saul is doing? Is is it's as though he's falsely accusing David, so that he commands. Then verse one. That they should kill David. Then Jonathan is wondering why should this man be killed? What wrong has they has he done? Is there any question or comment before I make? Some applications there for us. The applications are obvious. Number one, we are to take heed that we break not this commandment by lying, by slandering, by bearing false witness. We are to fear the Lord. The fear of the Lord, Solomon tells us, is hatred of evil. So we should fear God so that we may be able to avoid these sins. More often than not, the commandments are broken because people do not fear God. We should fear God. This commandment particularly is broken because we don't fear God. And, and it's one of those commandments that one, one can very easily get away with, right? It's the most prevalent uh, 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 sin, the sin of lying. People lie every time, slandering all the time, accusing others falsely all the time for the sake of gain all the time. And this is because people do not fear God. If the spirit of God is the spirit of truth and that is the spirit that dwells in us, we should speak the truth. It's a very serious sin, right? Because all liars will have their part in the lake of fire. It's very serious. So we should take heed not to not to lie, not to slander, not to bear false witness. Number two, We should be very thankful to God. We are to be very thankful to God for the times when He has preserved us from slander. When He's preserved us from lying. I mean, if you have lived the Christian life for a day, you know that you're tempted to lie, right? And there are times when God has preserved you. There are times when you have wanted to lie and your hand has been withdrawn. And while we are thankful for... Uh, um, for being preserved, you should ask God for forgiveness for the times when we have lied. That's number three. Ask God for forgiveness for times when we have lied. When we have borne false witness. When we have slandered others. When we have spoken ill of others therefore not being truthful about them. And you see, this sin of lying is instrumental in the death of our Savior. Among the sins that are committed so that Christ is crucified, because he's crucified because of the evil of men, lying is not lacking there. We should beware of lying and ask God to forgive us for the times when we lied and then number four we should pray that God would keep us from slandering and lying when you go to God in prayer pray ask God to help you not to be a liar while you ask for forgiveness you ask for help that God may help you not to be a liar That God may preserve you from this sin. Application number five. And lastly, remember, always remember that it is not keeping this commandment that justifies you. It's not keeping this commandment that justifies you. You will not be counted righteous in the sight of God because you have tried so hard not to lie. Why? Because you have lied many other times. Just remembered of the text the in Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes chapter 7 verse 21 says, Do not take to heart all the things that people say, lest you hear your servant cursing you. You, you Your heart knows that many times you yourself have cursed others. And so you can't be justified because of this. Because you have so tried not to lie. You, you, you strive to keep the commandment of God that you may be washed, that you may be sanctified. Because God has already justified you in Christ. And so lest we be deceived that all we need to do is strive and strive from lying and we will be right with God, we are to be reminded that Christ is our hope forevermore. Christ is our hope in life and death. Christ is our everything. And that's what Paul, that's what Paul does to the Ephesians. That's what, that's what he tells the Ephesians. He tells them, Christ has saved you. Don't be like the Gentiles. Put off the old self. Put on the new self. Let, let there be no falsehood among you. Speak the truth with one another. Remembering that Christ has saved you, live like this now. Don't be liars. Don't be slanderers. That's how we ought to consider this. May we all be kept from bearing false witness against our neighbour. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning that you've given us. Thank you for the privilege of being able to consider the ninth commandment. Oh Lord, the commandment is brief. Yet it is direct. It tells us It forbids us from lying, it forbids us from slandering, it commands us to stand up for the truth, to be truthful people, because we have Christ who is the truth. Lord, we pray that you may help us to remember that Christ is our righteousness, and we come to the law that we may be sanctified, not that we may be justified. We pray that you may help us to be lawful Christians who love your law because it is holy and right and just. Pray that you may forgive us for the times when you have lied, that you may help us to seek to be truthful at all times because we have your spirit who lives in us, who is the spirit of truth. Lead us in your paths of righteousness regarding this ninth commandment. For your name's sake, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.